Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 422 for the 25th of TVs in a regular year. I remember when my paternal grandfather passed away, being the eldest grandchild on that side of the family, I was asked to give a eulogy at his funeral. And it was such a strange experience for me because while I loved my grandfather very much, and in fact, I felt very close to him in a lot of ways, at the moment that I was giving over the eulogy, when I was standing up in front of everybody, I didn't feel anything. I saw people crying. I saw my aunt crying. I saw my father crying. You know, everybody looked so emotional. And I actually felt emotionally numb in the moment. It was actually quite scary to me to to have that feeling. And it was like I was giving over all these things that I loved about my grandfather and what a special man my grandfather was, but I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel what I was talking about. I found out later that this is actually a very common defense mechanism mechanism that a lot of people tend to have, that actually it's a way of kind of like shielding them from their feelings is having this emotional numbness. Uh, but this emotional numbness can, can come about for many different reasons. We can often feel emotionally blocked even about things that we really care about and that, and it can feel kind of strange to us sometimes when we know that we should feeling, be feeling strong emotions about something, but, but we don't. Uh, another example that comes to mind is I heard this, I believe from Manus Friedman, where somebody asked him uh, if I'm dating somebody and I'm not sure if this is the person that I should marry. I'm not sure that this is my soulmate. You know, what should I do? Everything matches up in terms of them being my soulmate, but uh, I don't necessarily feel what I feel like I should be feeling towards this person. I don't, you know, I thought that I'd be like falling in love with them more. I would have stronger feelings towards them. And the response that Mattis Friedman gave is, well, one indic indicator to know if this is your soulmate or not is if you want them to be your soulmate, if you want to feel those strong feelings towards them. So even if you don't have those feelings towards them in the moment, if you want to have those feelings, that's a good sign that really deep down, you do have those feelings for them. Just sometimes for whatever reason, we're emotionally blocked. Now, this is going to be the topic of today's episode and specifically in terms of our emotions towards God. So we've been discussing our relationship with God quite a bit so far on the podcast and talking about specifically the service of the Benoni, this intermediate person who, you know, hasn't succeeded in fully eradicating uh, or totally conquering the negativity within them, but rather they've succeeded in, in uh, controlling it and controlling the animal within them uh, in, you know, being in total self-control over 
their thought, speech, and action at all times so that they never sin. They never do anything against God. They never, um, they never sin against God and they never even neglect to do any positive commandment that God wishes them to do. And so today we're going to explore on a deeper level why this is. Why, what would, uh, what would motivate such a person to serve God in such a manner? to do all the things that God asked them to do. So speaking of marriage, so in a marriage, there really are two basic components that make a marriage good and functional and healthy. Those two basic components are respect and love. So if you respect your partner and you love your partner, then you will do whatever it is that you, that you know will make your partner happy and you won't do anything that you know will not make your partner happy right? So not doing what you don't want, what will not make your partner happy is where respect comes in or even sometimes fear. We can say like there's a certain reverence or awe, maybe would be a better way to describe it. And doing things actively to make your partner happy is where the love comes in because you love your partner. So this is similar to our relationship with God, that the reason why we will be motivated, why, why, why is it that somebody would keep Torah and mitzvahs? Why is it that somebody would be so careful not to sin, to be in such, to try to at least attain a level of such level, such a level of self-control that they don't do anything to upset God and to want to do God's will? This is going to be motivated by a deep sense of love and fear of God, which is why somebody who's striving to be a Benoni, which is hopefully all of us who are studying this book together, which is the book of the Benoni, the Sefer Shil Benoni, is going to first and foremost, if they want to get to this level of, you know, totally serving God in, in uh, on all levels on thought, speech, and action, they're going to want to try to cultivate th- this love and fear of God in a very real and conscious way. And luckily, the Ultra Rabbi actually gives us tools how to do this. And the basic tool, the most fundamental tool, is actually what we're doing right now, which is studying about God and, and learning Chassidus, learning about things that hopefully will arouse these feelings of fear and love of God. So uh, so this is a big thing, especially in Chabad Chassidus, in the branch of Chabad Chassidus, which which the Tanya is really the most foundational book. The the, Ultra Rabbi, the author of the Tanya was the founder of Chabad Chassidus. That was sort of like the basic philosophy of it is to start with the mind and to really utilize the power of the mind and meditation and learning and contemplation to develop feelings in the heart. So this is how it's supposed to work. So in an ideal world, what would happen is that we would learn about God and we we would study godliness, we would study our souls, all of these spiritual things. And this would lead us to a great feeling of love and fear of God in our hearts. And we'll be so motivated by these feelings to do exactly what it is that God wants us to do. However, unfortunately, or, you know, whatever it is, what it is, this isn't always the case. You know, me, I, you know, I don't know, you guys have been listening to this podcast for a while, hopefully, or maybe this is your first time. I'm not really sure. But I know for me, you know, I, I, I teach these things. I'm, I'm telling you guys these things every single day, every single day when I'm, when I'm, learning these things when I'm preparing for the episode, do does it always translate into great feelings of passion for God in my heart? 
I mean, sometimes a little bit, sometimes not so much. Sometimes it stays in the mind. Sometimes it's it's really just intellectual, you know? And this is a common question that comes up for a lot of people a lot of times that you can learn chassadas from day till night, but sometimes it stays in the mind. Sometimes it's it, you don't feel anything in your heart. So then it feels kind of like counterproductive or useless. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we spending so much time learning and studying and all these things if it's not translating into emotions and and it can feel very frustrating because you can be like why why is it not being translated into my emotions why am i so emotionally blocked what's going on and so that's what we're going to be uh studying today that's what we're going to be exploring today and the good news is that uh first of all if you feel this emotional blockage it's actually very normal and it's actually very common and secondly you're actually not as emotionally blocked as you think you are. So just like in the case of, you know, when I gave that example of what Manus Friedman said about um, somebody who says, you know, they're dating this person and they're not feeling necessarily, they're not sure if this person is their soulmate or not. If they feel like they want this person to be their soulmate and they want to feel those feelings, if you want to want feelings, it means you have those feelings. On some level, the feelings are there. They're just not fully uh, birthed is the language that we'll see that Ultra Rabbit uses. They're kind of still in this like fetal state. They're in this state of, of pre- pregnancy, you know? Also like in uh, the, the case of me giving over the eulogy at my grandfather's funeral, I mean, I was really excited to talk about my grandfather. It was really easy to write up the whole speech because I had so much stuff to say. I had so much respect for him and love for him as a person. So even if in the moment I wasn't feeling the feelings that I would have wanted to feel, that I would have expected to feel, the fact that I was so motivated to give over the speech, the fact that I had so much to say, and the fact that the very fact that I was feeling frustrated at not feeling those feelings means that the feelings were actually there. If I didn't care, if I was just like, whatever, you know, yeah, he was just some man and, you know, God forbid. And, you know, I don't have any special feelings towards him at all. Like that would be a different story. But the fact that I was bothered by it and the fact that I did have so much to say about him showed that the feelings really are there. So the same thing is true when it comes to God, that the mere facts that we are learning every day, we show up day after day after day. And we want to develop those feelings means that the feelings are there on some level. And the real test of this, of if the feelings are there or not, is does it translate into action? Just like in a marriage, again, uh, going back to a marriage, just like how do you really know if you love and respect your spouse is if you act in ways that make your spouse happy and you don't do things that make your spouse unhappy. It's as simple as that. So are you going to be feeling this passionate, these passionate feelings towards them every single moment of every single day? Maybe yes, maybe no. But that, but if it translates into action, it means that really the feelings are there. They just might not be in a fully developed state in that moment ever, all the time. So with that being said, so let's see how the Ultra Rabbit explains all of this. So, and for context, we've, we're beginning a new chapter, chapter 16 of Lukutamarim. And the Ultra Rabbit begins and he, sa- he says he's going to teach us a, a very big principle in the service of the Benoni. Um, so, so the main thing for a Benoni, what's, what's the main thing that the, that, uh, that is involved in the service of the Benoni is to, is that the Benoni is supposed to rule over and govern, govern their nature. There, namely the nature that's found in the left ventricle of the heart, which is again, the seat of the Yitzhahara, of the of the negative impulses. And the way that they do this is through the light of God that shines 
into the godly soul that's found in the mind. Uh, and then the mind, and, and then through this mind, the godly soul is able to rule over the heart, right? So basically in sum, the main service of the Bainani is to get to a point where their mind rules over their heart, basically, where they're, where they're able to have rulership over their uh, uh, dominion, over their, um, their negative impulses. And the way that this happens is through meditation. So it starts in the mind. So again, the godly soul is seated in the mind. So it kind of makes sense that it would start in the mind, right? We want to tap into the power of our mind. So what should such a person do? So such a person, when they meditate in their mind about the greatness of God, and this births um, a sense of comprehension and a spirit of knowledge uh, and a fear of God in their mind, this will translate into them abstaining from negative behavior or from doing anything that's against the will of God. In Hebrew, the wording is sur merah, to abstain from evil. And this is, uh, so whether we're talking about uh, um, biblical commandments or, or rabbinical commandments, so, and even the lightest of lightest um, little prohibitions. So basically uh, what the altar is saying is that through this meditation uh, that Abenoni engages in, this is going to lead them to birth from their mind a feeling of fear of God and and like respect for God where, you know, just like in the, uh, the, in the example of the spouse, that when you have deep respect for your spouse, then you're not, you're going to be very careful not to do anything that's going to upset them, that's going to make them unhappy. So, so to hear when a person through the med through meditation in the mind, um, this will lead them to a deep level of fear of God that will prevent them from wanting to do anything that will go against God's will. And not only will there be fear of God that's aroused through this process, but also love of God in the right ventricle of the heart. That's the seat of the godly soul is the right ventricle of the heart. And this will lead them to want to feel these feelings, this passionate feelings of uh, wanting to cleave to God. And the and what this will translate into is the person wanting to do all of the positive commandments. Again, whether they're biblical commandments or whether they are rabbinical commandments, and especially learning Torah, because learning Torah is equivalent to all commandments as we've learned. So basically up until here, the Altarabah has given to us sort of like the, the manual, the guideline as to, of how to like practically get to such a point where you refrain from doing anything that is against God's will and where you actively go about doing every single thing that God wants you to do. And it all starts with the service of the minds that will translate into these emotions of fear and love of God. But now the altar goes on and he says, okay, but there's something else that we need to know that even if let's say somebody engages in this service of the mind and, uh, and the spirit of their understanding, and it doesn't lead to these feelings of love that are revealed in their heart so that they don't feel this, these passionate feelings that we've been discussing, but rather if the love remains hidden in their mind and in the recesses of their heart thing to say that there's a comprehension that happens in the heart. So the heart understands uh, with the spirit of Chochmah and Bina that are found in the mind, the two intellectual faculties that are found in the mind. The, the person understands the greatness of God and understands that nothing uh, in the face of God, like compared to God, nothing, everything is like nothing compared to God. 
So the person understands the value of wanting to love God and wanting to be close to God and how everything should really want to cleave to God. Like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense to them. You know, they've learned sufficiently about this that it's like, right, they, they get it. They get that this is a really great thing to, to, to do and, and to feel and that they they understand that this translates to themselves, that they too should feel this feeling of passion and love towards God. If everything should feel this passion and love and wanting to, to cleave to God, they should feel that as well. And they should understand that the only reason why they can't cleave to God is because they're stuck in their bodies. And, uh, and that there's, there's, there's a term for this being stuckness in the body, which is uh, that it's, it's like the soul is called a, a it's, it's likened to being a living widow in fact. So this is like, why is it like a living widow? Because it's like, well, a living widow is like somebody who, let's say you have a, a woman who's, uh, whose husband goes off to war and never, and doesn't come back. And there's no proof that they died. You don't know what happened to them or whatever. So they, so it's like, it's, they're kind of like in nowhere land. Like they're, um, they're not able to remarry because they're still technically married to their husbands. Uh, but they, you know, but they don't see their husbands at all. So they're considered like a living widow. So this is what the soul is like in the body where the soul is kind of like in this nowhere land. Like it's, it's like, it's not supposed to be there. You know, it's longing for God, but it can't actually connect with God. So there's an awareness of this in this type of person that they are not in their ideal spiritual state and that really they should be cleaving and wanting to connect to God, but yet they don't feel it. Um, now we're going to take a little pause and look at this footnote that the Altarabah inserts here as to why. Why would it be? You know, it seems like it's a very logical thing. It's like that you you study Torah, you learn about God, you learn about your soul. Why wouldn't that translate into action? And he says that the reason for this is because such a person's mind and the different aspects of their soul, the nefesh, ruach, and neshama of their soul are in an aspect of ibor, of pregnancy, like it's in a fetal state and thus it's a, a pregnancy is like a, a concealed state within the tfuna, within the, the level of understanding and not in the level of birth, in the level of leda and which is revelation, right? Um, as is known to the people of Kabbalah. So there's more to say about that, but the basic idea is that this, um, the, the level of their intellect, it's not fully manifest. It's still in this like hidden state, just like with a pregnant woman, you see a woman who's pregnant, you don't see the baby. The baby is hidden within the mother and the baby only is revealed when it comes to, when it, it's born. So that's, that's what's going on there. So nevertheless, such a person, so they're not feeling what they should be feeling, what they know they should be feeling, but they, they know it. They know they should be feeling these things. They have an intellectual awareness that it would be good for them to love God and to have these feelings of love towards God. And furthermore, they understand, you know, because they've, they've learned quite a bit at this point and they have this awareness that there's no way for anybody to actually grasp God unless they hold on to Torah and mitzvahs, like the analogy of the um, of hugging the king, as we described before, right? So in a previous episode, if you go back, I think it was the, the episode I entitled The Power of a Hug, I, I believe, it was we talked about this idea that uh, when you hug a person, even though you're technically hugging their clothes, you're still hugging that person. And so that's the way that God makes himself, uh, himself accessible to us is through Torah and mitzvahs, which are like the clothing of God. And this is the, w the way and actually the only way that we're able to grasp God is through keeping his Torah mitzvahs because otherwise God is totally inaccessible to us. And so thus, 
this person understands that it would be good for them to hug God, that it would be good for them to um, to hug God with their entire heart, soul, and might. Lev, nefesh, and ma'od. And, and what this means, what this really translates into is to keeping the 613 commandments of the Torah in action, speech, and thought, right? The three garments of the soul. And what this means in thought, what does it mean in thought? It means to really try to understand Torah and learn Torah in a deep way. And... So thus, says the Altar Abba, when a person like this meditates upon all of this and meditates within the inner recesses of their, of their heart and their mind, and they, they align their mouth and their heart into the same place. So it's like this person is keeping all of the mitzvahs and they're, and they're keeping it in their, their mouth, you know, so they're, they're doing, they're verbalizing the words of the Torah and they're engaging in, with their minds in, um, in the study of Torah, of God's Torah and all of that. Uh, and they're involved in this all the time. And then also in their hands in a physical manner, they're, they're keeping all the mitzvahs. So thus they're living in an aligned state. So what this means is that indeed their tevuna, which the tevuna is an interesting thing. The tevuna is the the intellectual emotion. So it is it's this emotion sort of like, but that's that's it's an intellectual type of emotion that um, that we said before is like in this more fetal kind of state. So the ultra is actually saying that like okay, but yeah, but the tevuna in this case is embodied. It is vested within the action, speech, and thought. Uh, it went into our mitzvahs like and and they start and then it thus serves for them as an intellect and vitality and as wings as we'll see so we're going to talk more about wings further on in the tanya that um but like basically the wings are the love and fear of god that allow the torah mitzvahs to, to rise up so what the ultra is basically saying here is that even if a person doesn't consciously and like fully feel this deep passion towards god in a really deep emotional way where they're crying and all that stuff the fact that they their actions on all levels thought speech and action are aligning with how they want to feel then it's as if they actually are feeling it and it's as if they're actually engaged in the Torah mitzvahs in a way that really is with full love and fear of God um, that is really fully manifest in a, in a in a real way of like this deep, having this deep yearning and thirst for God with a passionate love of God and the proof of this is in the pudding. The proof of this is in the fact that the person is so engaged and involved in Torah mitzvahs and, um, and deeply into all these things. And in fact, says the Altar Rabbi, if the person would not have engaged in this intellectual contemplation and meditation, then they wouldn't be spending so much time on God's Torah mitzvahs, but rather they would be more involved in physical things. Um, because even this is how the ultra bit concludes in a in a parenthesis he says even if somebody's like a very diligent student so it's not an emotional thing at all if they if somebody's just like you know they're very obedient so they learn every day because you're supposed to learn every day nevertheless our our nature is to love our bodies more than our souls so such a person who's just like learning and there really is no emotion involved this would not lead them to be so involved in torah and mitzvahs to the point that we're describing that this person is so that's the end of the section. So just in conclusion, the basic sum up of all of this, the basic idea is that while yes, it would be really nice and it would be, this is sort of like the ideal state of being would be that you learn about God, you learn about your soul, you learn Torah, and this translates into deep feelings of of conscious and passionate love and fear of God that you feel and that you're walking around all day and that's, that's what you're... Um, that's, that's how you feel. You feel like really deep passion towards God. But that's not 
always practical and that doesn't always happen because just the nature of our souls sometimes it doesn't come down into there's a blockage we're still stuck in that fetal state and we're not in that birth state um but the ultra is reassuring us here ultimately that the feelings are there and the proof that the feelings are there is in the fact that if you are so engaged in Torah mitzvahs and you know that you really want to have those feelings the fact that you're yearning for the feelings like if you want to want something it means you really want it you know and so that's the basic idea so uh, basically the the bottom line is not to get discouraged if you've been learning for a while you know, this actually, what comes to mind right now is actually somebody uh, te- texted me a while back who started listening to my podcast. I don't know if she's listening right now. So if, if she's listening right now, this might be really pertinent to her actually, where she said to me, she said that I say uh, in my intro to this podcast, I say something like um, how these teachings have really affected me and I've seen how they've really changed my life and stuff like that. And I apply them to my life. And she said that she's been listening to my podcast for a little while. And like, while she really likes it, she's not feeling that the teachings are affecting her life. She's like, at what point are you going to feel these things? And it sounded, she sounded kind of frustrated by this. Like, you know, isn't Tanya supposed to change your life, supposed to change your relationship with God? And I kind of just, told her you know just keep learning keep doing it and eventually you'll see the changes and that's true but the truth is that sometimes we won't consciously feel it sometimes some people are more emotionally attuned than others which is great and for some of us then um the feelings won't always necessarily be so heartfelt so so clear you know so passionate but that doesn't mean that they're not there the mere fact that you continue to show up and listen to the podcast over and over and over again like the mere fact like why do i continue to do this day after day after day it means that there is a part of me the emotions are there on some level they're just not fully there they're not fully conscious yet and so that should be encouraging to all of us and hopefully the more we do learn and the more we involve in ourselves in these things, then we will at least get moments of passion, of feeling uh, in, in a more real way. But the good news is that the emotions are more there than you think they are. You do love your spouse, you do love your parents, and you do love God too, even if you don't necessarily always feel that. So that's it for today. And uh, we will continue along these lines tomorrow and I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzchak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.